The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Well, I want to welcome you back to this podcast about the characters of Christmas. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying this Christmas season, listening to beautiful music of the season, enjoying uh, kind of the festivities. I think this year, 2020, we need Christmas more than we've we've needed in other years. Um, and I hope you're getting your heart ready with expectation and hope for what God will do in Jesus this year. Well, today I'd like to talk about a really intriguing character, and uh, that is the innkeeper. Uh, what an intriguing person that is. Now, to be to be clear, we really don't know if there was an innkeeper or anything. It's 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 more of a kind of a product of tradition or kind of what we're reading into the story in Luke chapter two. Um, but you have to imagine that um, uh, there was somebody there that turned away Jesus and Mary that night. Let's first talk about this harrowing night. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty fitful nights of sleep. Some nights that were what you might say your worst night of sleep. I can think of a couple of them. When we were kids, uh, our church used to go to this camp in Northern Minnesota. Uh, and our Christian school went there as well. And we would go, uh, not only in the summer, but we'd also go in the spring, like around May. And in May, uh, weather sometimes some years would be warm, some years would be not so warm. Uh, sometimes it'd be rainy, sometimes it'd be sunny, but at night it definitely cooled down. And most of the time we stayed in climate-controlled cabins or a dining hall. But uh, we always picked one night to actually camp out under the stars, um, and so we would build these like temporary shelters and camp out. And I remember the worst night of sleep I had, I brought a sleeping bag that I thought was, um, would, was enough to keep me warm. And it turns out when I got there zipped up in my sleeping bag, I could not get warm and it's hard to sleep when you're cold, just FYI. And so you have the, the decision, do I get close as close to the fire as I can to get warm, but I don't want to get too close because I don't want my sleeping bag to burn. So you're just kind of thinking about it all night and bad night of sleep. The other bad night of sleep I had is I remember when I was part of a sit, traveling singing group in college and we would stay in people's homes and we uh, went through Pennsylvania and I just distinctly remember a really not good accommodations, let's just say. And it made me realize that just because someone is kind enough to let you stay in their home doesn't always mean that you should accept that offer. And then I've had a lot of fitful nights of sleep with it being a father of four children, where uh, especially when they were younger and we had to get up in the middle of the night and, and, and feed them. But even as they're older, you know, they're kind of in junior high, high school um, kind of age, they'll still get up with leg pains and growing pains or nightmares or things like that that rest you out of your sleep and the older you get it's hard to go back to sleep well none of that compares to the night that joseph and mary had as they're traveling from nazareth to bethlehem 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Listeners, if you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Reddle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect or to have hard conversations. You can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now let's recount why they're traveling. Caesar had initiated a tax and the idea was that you had to go back to your hometown and register. Your, your ancestral hometown. So Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth, uh, which was in the Galilee region, closer to the Galilee region. They had to go to Bethlehem, which is obviously uh, closer to Jerusalem in, in, in Judea, not the Galilee region. And that was their ancestral hometown. Now, it's interesting when we think about the Christmas story that it brought them to Bethlehem, right? The city of David. Here are two... Um, children from the line of David, both who are going back to the city of David, uh, to register. None of this is coincidental. Um, uh, this is all in the plan of God to fulfill prophecy. If you think of the prophecy in Micah, where it says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall he come forth. One who is to be ruler in Israel. This obscure prophecy in Micah chapter five is coming to pass. Did Joseph and Mary think about that? Did they know about that as they're traveling? Maybe they did, but all they know is they got to get there and they got to um, register for this tax. They also know that Mary is very well pregnant. Now, we take a lot of trips in our van and our car uh, for vacations. You know, when we were in Chicago, we drove all the way to Texas. It was about 18 hours. Now that we live in Nashville, we, you know, we'll drive to Texas to see Angela's family. My wife's family will drive down to Florida for vacation, or we've driven to Boston, taken a couple of days to get there. And even in, um, with the amenities we have today, air conditioning and heat and DVD players in the car and, you know, places to stop along the way to fill up with, uh, snacks and food and, and coolers that you bring with all your favorite stuff and audiobooks and just creature comforts galore. In the in 21st century America, we still get a little cranky when we're on a trip. When we get there, we kind of want to get things settled down, you know, and kind of relax. 
Imagine how Joseph and Mary felt. No minivan for Joseph and Mary, probably riding on a donkey, uh, having to carry all their stuff. Um, they come in late at night, uh, and there's there's no accommodations in the town. Now, we don't know the inn, as Luke describes it, what that was like. Some scholars have speculated that um, it could be a cave. Uh, some speculate it could be a roadside inn. Uh, which was common in those days. You think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was a, there was kind of a roadside in there that Jesus, that parable Jesus would later tell. Some people feel it could have been a relative's house. Um, we don't really know. What we do know is that someone was there <laughs> to tell them, hey, we've got no room. Um, I want to focus on this innkeeper a little bit or whoever this person was, whether it's an innkeeper or proprietor of the house. Someone had to tell them. And just think about that night. Think about Joseph's feeling. He gets there. His wife is in labor. He's freaked out, right? He's a human being. He's thinking, I got to get her somewhere. We got we got to figure something out. She's about ready to give birth. And in the back of his mind, he's thinking, this is the son of God. So even though God promised that this would happen, I can't mess this up. I, I imagine how he's feeling as he's knocking on the door furiously and hoping to you know, wake somebody up to get some accommodations and then being told there's really no more rooms left. <laughs> there's nothing here. But what, what I also think about this person who greeted them, whether it's an innkeeper or proprietor, we don't really know, but we do know that he found room. He found space and the eventual accommodations that they had, we don't know what they look like. Were they, um, were they in a room with animals where everybody was? Were they in a cave and a barn, a stable? We don't know. We know that they were very crude. They were not five-star. And you think about just the irony of this moment, that the Son of God, the one who formed and spoke the world into existence, who created human beings with the dust of the ground, has no place to lay his head. Jesus would later say, had no place to lay his head. Uh, if you and I were writing this script, we would not have put the coming king to be born in a crude cave or stable in a tiny little town. We would not have done that. We would have put him in Caesar's palace in Rome. We would have put him in Herod's. We would have put him with noble people. But this is kind of a message, even in the place where Jesus birthed, a message about the, the Christmas story, a message about the incarnation. It tells us something, that that God has come and the kingdom of God is built really along the poor and the lowly and the common and the ordinary. This is when Jesus came and put on flesh to dwell among humans. He really came to dwell among humans, not among the aristocrats, not among the, the wealthy or the nobles. Not that there's anything wrong with success or wealth or riches or comforts. But Jesus truly came to dwell in and among those who are common and poor. He he literally had nothing. I, I also think about what what was going through the mind of that innkeeper. Um for him he didn't know that Joseph and Mary were that Mary was carrying the Son of God. He didn't know. He didn't get a visit from an angel. To him, it was just another couple knocking on the door, needing a place to stay, and he, he had to turn him away. But then he but then he made room for him. He found a way to make room for him. He didn't know that. 
But just think think about this moment here. His life, the life of that innkeeper and anybody else who was staying at that inn was forever changed. That what they thought was an ordinary night, just another day and another night, was, as Paul describes in Galatians, the fullness of time. All of human history, all of God's salvation history, hinging on this moment. I mean, think about that. What are the stories they would tell? those who were there later about what had descended on this inn and on this town. I love what some people throughout church history have written about this. Uh, the church father, Jerome, I love what he says about the humility of Bethlehem. He says, the Lord is born on earth and does not even have even a cell in which to be born, for there is no room for him in the inn. The entire human race had a place, and the Lord about to be born on earth had none. He found no room among men. He found no room in Plato, not in Aristotle, but in a manger among beasts of burden and brute animals and among the simple too and the innocent. John Chrysostom writes this. He, he talks about how this crude birth demonstrates Jesus' humanity. To prevent you from thinking that this coming to earth was merely an accommodation and to give you solid gro- grounds for truly believing that this was his real flesh, he was conceived, born, and nurtured. That his birth might be made manifest and become common knowledge, he was laid in a manger, not in some small room, but in a lodging place before numerous people. This was the reason for the swaddling clothes and also for the prophecy spoken long before. The prophecy showed not only that he was going to be a man, but that he would be conceived, born, and nurtured as any child would be. Think of the hymn writers, too, and what they have written about this moment. Um, I love the scene that is painted in the in the wonderful carol, O little town of Bethlehem, uh, or Silent Night. What what an amazing moment that was. And I wish we could hear from the owner of this inn or home or innkeeper later on, right? Like, what was his life like? What was it like to see shepherds from Bethlehem storm into this cave or to this manger scene and... Um, worship and fall down and worship this baby. What was this like to, to experience that? You think about this, this mystery of God in the flesh, the, the God of the universe dwelling in this most crude of circumstances. Um, what, a, what a beautiful mystery. And yet, for that proprietor of that inn, um, he probably wasn't thinking about that. He wasn't reading the church fathers and he was not humming silent night. It was just another day. Uh, Caesar's census had sent people into his town, but this is how God works. God disrupts us in our ordinary days and moments. God in the fullness of time sent Jesus in the middle of a, um, very torn and cynical people during a very tumultuous and difficult time among the most ordinary and common folks. And this is how God acts. We think God acts in the big, splashy moments, but he acts in the ordinary times and the ordinary days. This is how God often enters our lives. Consider this. A shepherd boy was busy tending sheep when he was summoned inside, and a priest named Samuel poured oil on his head and whispered in his ear that he'd be Israel's next king. A pagan farmer was minding his herds when God called him to leave everything and take his wife to a land called Canaan. A fallen prince was working the backside of the desert when God appeared in a flaming bush and sent him and told him to go to Egypt. 
A high-ranking member of the Sanhedrin was on his way to Damascus, putting down this new religious cult when Jesus met him in a blinding light and converted Saul to Paul. You see, few in Bethlehem were ready, anticipating the Son of God to show up on their doorsteps. Certainly not this Hebrew business owner. But what the innkeeper didn't know was that this night was no accident. Caesar's calling of the census, Joseph and Mary's decision to trek back to the ancestral hometown, even the crowded nature of this inn, none of these things in the Christmas story were coincidental. They're all part of God's divine plan to save the world. Caesar did not know, had no idea, when he arbitrarily decided to call a census that it would be used by God to raise up a true and better ruler. The innkeeper did not know that the cattle trough he dusted off and used to find room for Mary's baby would hold the head of the Son of God. The other travelers that day who just happened to stay at this establishment didn't know they'd be sleeping next to the promised Messiah. And we're kind of tempted with the hindsight of 20 centuries to judge, right? Could the innkeeper not have arranged better circumstances accommodations for for Jesus? Could he not have given up his own bed for a pregnant woman? But I think before we do that, we should examine our own hearts this Christmas. We, we too often are disrupted by Jesus and are we ready for when he enters our lives? Is there room for Jesus in our lives when he comes knocking? I hope there is for you today. What is disrupting you today in your ordinary day? In what ways is Jesus trying to get your attention and come and dwell in you? What strikes me as is that Jesus made room for those who would not make room for him. We read in John, Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, in the original Greek, that actually means I go to prepare a room for you. In other words, Jesus is making room for those who believe in him. Think about that. The one for whom there was no room is making room for you. So I want to encourage you today. Will you embrace Jesus this Christmas? Will you embrace that Son of God, Jesus, the King of the, of the world? Thank you today for joining me for this podcast, The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, the Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.